You're listening to a podcast from Blogging Heads TV. Hi, Mickey. Hey, Bob. I really liked your podcast with uh, with Horgan. With John Horgan on quantum on uh, the problem with quantum physics. We pretty much got to the bottom of that, I'd say, and left no question unanswered. I, I thought, well, I don't think you got to the bottom, Bob, because you know the the attempt to reconcile. Uh, I guess Einstein's theories of gravity with quantum mechanics has yielded string theory, which posits that if you if you zoom in on the cell, uh, if you zoom zoom in on the nucleus, you zoom in on a pro- molecule, you zoom in on a proton. If you zoom in on the proton, you would see v- very very super low levels of microscopy. Uh, you would see strings, and the strings are vibrating. But yeah, and the, and the different particles are actually, I think, different frequencies of vibration on the springs. And, and yeah. Strings in reality, if this theory were true, yes, but I think. I heard I heard a podcast, not yours, but another one that was fed to me by iHeartRadio while I was driving around the country. Mm-hmm. And it said that the problem with uh, string theory is in disfavor because while – you can prove, you can use mathematics to show that the strings would generate all the right results. A lot of other things might generate the r- right results. So it's not clear that it should be strings. And having driven around the country, I've decided that the, the most ubiquitous thing in the universe is receipts from garages, which are littered all over my car. And so I'm, I'm proposing an alternative to string theory, which is the universe is made of little receipts little and sheets. And what- what we think of as different particles are actually just different barcodes. They're no, they're just little garage receipts. They're tiny, tiny garage receipts, and they actually can vibrate. If you've ever heard the oh, song, so we're sticking tiny. with the vibration part of the string theory and just replacing the well, strings with little, garage they receipts. They make a little noise, like if you ever hear mm-hmm. the song "Timey Kangaroo Down." There are people wow. playing playing a big piece of cardboard, and it makes these noises. So, um, I think this is a valuable contribution that I've made. Uh, I, I the really, theory of everything. you know, if I were a physicist, I think I, I, I'd look for another line of work because I think you pretty much, uh, you s- settled the matter. And you know, the great thing about that is one complaint about, uh, string theory is there's no way to test it. But if it's garage receipts, I mean, those things are everywhere. There's got to be a way to test that, right? Uh, you know, so that's absolutely, I mean, with enough dimensions, I think the garage receipts will. That's the other thing about well, string uh, theory is like will prove everything. Like a whole bunch of dimensions. That's a, and when you ask him about that, and you go, "Wait a second! Like I'm having trouble with more than three, like maybe four dimensions. I, I consider time a dimension. I can get there, but like ten, twelve. What is this?" And they say, "Oh, don't worry, they're really small." Like yeah. what is? What really? does that mean? They oh, say things like small. that, or they say they're in little loops. Or like, what does that mean? That that's not a dimension. That's a fucking loop. You hardly notice them. They go by so quickly. Yeah. The, uh, so, you know who had 14 dimensions, Bob? Um, Eric Weinstein? Yes, the first in, in the geometric Eric Weinstein reference in our podcast history, I believe. We can do better. We can get to the Weinsteins <laughs> even earlier. You know, I spent last night uh, talking about the Weinsteins uh, for a while. I, was, I, I taped a podcast with the uh, Decoding the Gurus guys. And, huh. uh, I mean, I mean, they're going to be on my, po- this was for my podcast. And, uh, we wound up after an hour or so stumbling into Weinstein territory. And then, you know, several hours later, you know, my wife dialed 911. I don't, I don't, I don't quite understand how, 
the Horgan thing was good. Well, Horgan is like a force of nature. And, and, but you also seem very well versed in all these issues. And, and are you, are you that prepared for all of these podcasts? Like with the gurus, you're that prepared? And I'm happy to say I did zero preparation for the John Horgan thing. Did you do any preparation for this today? I'm happy right to now? say I did none. No, okay. I did think a little, like I thought, here's what I thought. I thought, I will say to Mickey, Hey, Mickey, my condolences on your failed California referendum, which you had hoped would replace Governor Newsom with a crackpot talk radio host, thus transforming American politics in accordance with your values. But it doesn't seem to have worked out. No, it didn't. California is a tough nut to crack, as I discovered uh, myself. Uh, when you're, when you, your, your storied run for the Senate is what we're referring to. The the problem with it wasn't that, uh, that I failed miserably, although I did better than all but four candidates in the recall, Bob. But, um, how many, uh, how many, not that I would notice. How many candidates were in the recall? 40. Not that I would notice. But, um, I got a higher percentage than John Cox, the previous Republican candidate for governor. Um, but, uh, I wouldn't boast about that because it's completely ridiculous. But um, the Wait, your election was, wasn't a recall. You didn't run in a recall election, did you? That's why it's ridiculous. There were forty candidates, and it was a, it was a, and okay. I was running in a three candidate race, so it's easier to get five percent. The problem was the problem was that I only got five percent. The problem was I got zero traction among Democrats. <laughs> can't zero. imagine. Can't imagine why. Uh, and, and, and they, they're just, they, it is not a neoliberal state. They're not in the Charlie Peters sense. They are not ready for, uh, you know. For, for a Republican Democrat? No, I don't for, think they for are. For getting tough on the border or, uh, or anti-union rhetoric, which I sort of awkwardly paired together in my campaign. All my support came from Republicans and independents and they didn't vote in the primary. So I was fucked. There's, there was no room in the Democratic, the, the short way, but there was no room in the Democratic Party for immigration dissent or union dissent. Uh, and that's mm. unlike other states. California is really a state apart. Mm-hmm. But yes, the, 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 I, I thought it would be an Eric Cantor like wake up call that would torpedo, it might be, that would torpedo. You, you mean this, re- this referendum? Yeah. And it looked like three weeks or, or ago recall. that it might be that. And then all of a sudden the Democrats, uh, Turned around, uh, turned out their vote. Uh, the the conventional wisdom, which is probably true, is by making it a national election about Trumpism and casting Larry Elder as a Trump surrogate. And Elder made a, a horrible mistake, which is he backed into uh, endorsing a sort of stop the steal type position. Originally, he had said, uh, "This is buried." I was wondering what did he do that was merited this charge. And it's buried deep in a bar in your, in a, uh, sorry, a, a ritual hour column. He had, he had said, well, Biden won fair and square. And then there was outrage from the base and he took it back. He said, I want to mulligan on this, you know, and, and he shouldn't have taken it back because that let them tar him with this, uh, stop the steal thing. What, what, uh, I think what, what tar elder. Elder, Larry Elder, yeah. But you were on, on, on the Stop the Steal bandwagon. As I recall, last week you said to me after voting in the referendum, you said, but how do I know that my vote was counted and didn't, didn't enter the labyrinth, 
of democratic fraud or something, right? Well, I, I think there's paranoia, uh, and I think direct mail-in ballots, which the Democrats are never going to let go of now, uh, uh, increases paranoia, and and and, uh, and that's a bad thing. If you go and you vote in person, the, the, you're you can still be paranoid. What happens to my ballot now? But in, in direct mail, you don't know where the ballot comes from. I mean, if they, it's as if they they took the ballots behind a screen and then came out and and said, "Don't worry about what happens behind the screen. It's none of your business. It's all fair." Uh, and that just increases paranoia. Well, there's always there's always a behind the screen, though. There always you always have to trust them in the end, or else come up with good reasons not to. Well, but you have you have election observers at the counting of in-person ballots, and it's a pretty cut and dry. It's a fairer system we can come up with, the the least paranoia-inducing system. And direct mail, you're not present when the ballot is voted. That's the problem. Okay, or, so you were or you, transmitted. You were hoping that an elder uh, victory or Newsom loss would uh, impede the progress of the $3.5 trillion Biden thing, Correct. right? And it, in fact, it's provided a little boost to it, I assume. Plus, there's this, okay, to complete the, like, uh, 180 that we're doing here, the jujitsu move. Uh, it uh, is, it's, it's the, it, admitting you're wrong isn't doing a 180. I, I'm not done yet. Okay. <laughs> the... Uh, Here's an idea I had. Uh, there was a piece in the New York Times about how Newsom, one of, one of Newsom's great weapons was that they turned Elder into Trump, right? Because he was talking to Trumpist game and, and, and so they could say, look, the Trumpists are coming after us and that rallied the troops. Okay. Now here's a headline I want to give you about Biden's $3.5 trillion economic plan from the New York Times, I believe. Former Trump aides to spearhead $10 million campaign against Biden economic plan. Senior Trump officials Larry Kudlow, Linda McMahon, Brooke Rollins, blah, 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 push, quote, save American coalition opposing Democratic proposal. If I'm Biden, I go all in on this. It's the it's the Trump people who are coming to stop this. We those, must aren't stop very, those aren't very Trumpy Trump people. They're all the anti-tax cut conventional Republican economists. Brooke Rollins is a Brooke is a Brooke Rollins is a Koch brothers uh you know free market type. She's horrible. Do you know how much more nuanced what you just said is than messaging of this kind gets? It I doesn't can't matter, the Mickey. Only, I can't believe matter. they're the only group with former Trump people in it who are against this uh this bill. All the better. All the better. Man, that seems like a it, it may be true. That's you know that seems like a weak straw, but I didn't think you could cast Larry Elder as a Trump Trumpist either. So I've been wrong before. Okay, if this isn't enough of an asset for you, how about AOC's dress with uh, what did it say on the back? Tax the rich. Tax the say? rich. So there, game set match. <laughs> game set. Except match. They're, they're throwing they're throwing tax rich taxing proposals overboard. Uh, uh, you know they they've given up on the stepped up basis. Uh, where capital gains aren't taxed at death, the, the heirs just uh, inherit inherit the asset at a stepped up basis, so they don't pay taxes yeah. on the gain. Uh, they've uh, they've uh, they've kept the carried interest loophole, which is how Wall Street hedge funders uh, escape a lot of taxation. Uh, and uh, so it's really only the corporate tax rate, and people don't really know who pays the corporate tax rate. It, likely does not just fall on the rich, it falls on 
everybody. Uh, so it, the, the, the redistributive power of what Biden is proposing is, is already sharply limited. Well, one problem we face in America is that now that both parties have a ton of rich people in them, like neither party can really muster the resolve to raise taxes. And so we're going to fall deeper and deeper into a deficit pit. Uh, well, I think he's going to get away with some raised taxes. And, uh, you know, that leads to uh, people proposing a VAT as we have it, as they have in Europe, where the, the tax is sort of barely felt and it gen- just generates vast sums uh for the uh, for the state to spend, that's why it's traditionally been opposed by the American right. Um, the the California recall did disabuse Republicans. Isn't that a Marco Rubio word? Disabuse. The disabuse he, disabuse Republicans of two, I think, uh, uh, misguided campaign uh, pitches. One is that they could uh, just just run on the vaccine. Run on against va- uh, Biden's vaccine mandates, and that sure didn't work in California. In fact, the opposite happened. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Newsom ran on an, a pro-vax, pro-lockdown uh, uh, regime that he's sort of been running, and, uh, and and it was popular. Now California is different than the rest of the nation, but I, I you know, polls show that the vax mandate is not wildly unpopular. It's less popular than I thought, but it's still not unpopular, and. Yeah. The second, uh, there was a second one. I have to look at my notes. A second uh, takeaway from the, from the second, recall? A second bogus Republican theme. Uh, Should I entertain the, the masses while you, uh, search for your notes? Are you doing a Joe Biden impersonation? Is this, is this, is this like Joe Biden no, at a press I just, conference? I have a note card it, here somewhere. No, it's, I am actually that adult. Uh, why? Why are you addled? Did you did you uh, not take your Sudafed, or did I you take too much? Sudafed. Oh well, I'll get I'll get to it. No, that's um, fine. This is great TV. Keep going. Yeah, sure. Uh, it is the top. We're seeing the top of your head. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's uh, brilliant TV, in the literal sense of the term, brilliant, bright, shining, glossy. I polished uh, it. What? <laughs> I polished it. Um, oh yeah, that 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 uh, they could campaign on stop the steal. Well, didn't can... we talk about stop the steal? You really didn't take your suit of did you? Well, well, well. Elder got. There are Republicans who will say, uh, you know, you mobilize the base by talking about stopping the steal, mm-hmm. and it sure didn't work for Elder. Uh. And it's it's sort of such an obvious loser. It's hard to believe anybody seriously proposed it, but they were seriously proposing so, running against the vaccine. But but you mean he was he was saying stop the steal about the Trump election or about his election or both? He was already saying both. stop the steal about his own election before it happened. No, mainly no. His main that was sort of bogus. I mean, he basically he 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 had a, a sign. He had a he had a website that said you know. Uh, that it was obviously supposed to be posted after the election saying, saying, you know, uh, you know, report, please investigate the twisted results and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. But it, it somehow got posted before the election and the press seized on it. But yeah. previously he'd done the stop the steal with 
uh, the Trump election. Uh, and that's the more serious thing. It's, mm-hmm. I think he's perfectly, he's allowed to be paranoid about his own election and say, if you see something, say something. And, you know, here's a form. If you're, you know, they, they, what, if you see any irregularities, report them. You're allowed to do that. You're allowed. Uh, you're allowed. And, uh, but, but saying that, you know, Biden wasn't legitimately elected. He'd said that earlier, and I think that was the big his his big fuck up. It just seems to mean you're reduced to running these crackpot radio talk show hosts. I don't know. I don't know. He's um, a he as as crackpot radio talk show hosts go. He's, he's one of the better. He's pretty sophisticated. Yeah, because in part because he's a libertarian, so he's not going to. He's not. Coming at Trump. Well, that's from a what. See, that probably should have been his perspective. That should have been his his slogan. Larry Elder, a crackpot we can live with. That's what they should have gone with on the, have, on the big TV buy. He should have done something to somehow, you know, he didn't. He was going to win his his race anyway. The key is beating Newsom. The key to him getting into office was beating Newsom. So he could have separated himself from Trump more. And still won his race, and it wouldn't have given Newsom the target to run against. The key is to oppose Newsom, not to, mm-hmm. uh, not to, uh, you know, not to elect Elder. Elder had it sewn up. He could have sacrificed. So- he could have let the base vote for somebody else. Hmm. Okay, as long as they voted against Newsom, that's fine. Actually, that's a good strategy. What he needed was a, a Trump, a real Trumpist candidate to turn out the base that wasn't him. Okay. And then he could have said, I'm Larry Elder, I'm not Trump, and won. Uh, and yet the base still would have turned out to vote against Newsom. Mm-hmm. Why didn't I think of this? You could have been that person. You should have volunteered for duty. <laughs> um, that I would have lost the one friend I have out here. I didn't know you had a friend. Who is that? You know, is there somebody I know? Uh, yeah. Um, I should have a word have with him. Friend. If he's still your friend, I should have a word with him. Who is it? It's a she. Nancy? No. I I haven't N- talked to Nancy. Nancy. Is tur- Nancy has turned on you? I don't know about Nancy. I haven't talked to Nancy for years. I assume she's still my friend. Wouldn't bet on it. Uh, but <laughs> I wouldn't bet on it either. Um, so the, uh, uh, on, on this COVID thing. Yeah. The good news is it, it does seem pretty clear that the case rate here has plateaued and it started plateauing. I mean, it was hard to say because there was this weird statistical aberration apparently owing to Labor Day and it took several days for it to get straightened out. But it looks you to me like it's been straightened out. Well, I just mean we're past it. So it still looks Florida weird thing? in the stats. You're taking into account the Florida problem? No, what's the Florida problem? The Florida problem, we talked about this last week, last week. The Florida problem is that they, they don't count the cases when they're reported like everybody else. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, they backdate them. So it always looks like they're, they're declining because the, you know, the, the cases that are going to be backdated to today haven't been reported yet. So the, that skews the whole national average. Yeah. I mean, if that's total. consistent, I wouldn't think it'd make a huge difference, but the, na- the national case rate, it now seems clear has been on a plateau. For a little more than two weeks, more or less, which means that you would hope that the death rate would start to drop. But meanwhile, or at least level off. But meanwhile, there is something that demands explanation. I mean, I brought it up before, but I wish somebody would would try to uh, figure it out, which is that, um, you know, our uh, our per capita, you know, case rate 
never got as high in the Delta phase as Britain's did, and yet our death rate is currently uh, almost three times as high as Britain's ever got. I mean, that's just a big difference. And I haven't heard anybody explain. We, we, you and I have come up with theories. Could be their 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 universal health care. Could be that they're they're counting more cases. You I don't know, think it's that. Well, uh, or it could be their vaccination rate. But I just it, it, the difference is so striking. I, I would think I, it's the vax rate and and climate and obesity. Oh, is American obesity a lot? We have we have mo- more comorbidities. I hadn't thought of that. Is that true? I suspect that's right. It's hard to believe we're fatter than some of the Brits I've seen. But I was going to say those fish and I chips catch are. up with you. You know, have you ever had have you ever had fried bread in Britain? Do you know what that is? No, I had this. I had this weird milk bread pudding they serve for dessert. Oh, that's compared to fried bread. That's like <laughs> vitamin D. I mean, the fried bread is like I was, I, I woke up, I was staying at, uh, it was either, I guess it was uh, either Oxford or Cambridge. It was like a dining hall. This is about 15 years ago. And at breakfast, the uh, you go by with the tray. The lady says, would you like some fried bread? I thought she meant toast. And she gives me the stuff. It almost killed me. It's like, it's like deep K- fried. It's, it's like, like Kentucky it, fried bread. Yeah, it's like Kentucky fried bread. It's unbelievable. Don't if you ever go there and somebody says you want fried bread. It sounds great. It's like picking off the the breading and not eating the chicken. It tasted. I like the taste. The taste was great. It tasted great. But you know, it's three four years off my life expectancy right there. I don't there. think so. Haven't they discovered fat is good for you? Probably. It's about time for that. I guess. I mean, health news is just a nonstop slate pitch, you know. It's like, but it, but they all turn out to be true. It um, did you? I didn't realize you need fat in order to digest protein. We talked about this. If you if you're if you're in the woods and you kill uh, an elk, you and eat it, you're going to die because the elk doesn't have enough fat on the, on the meat, and you need the fat to digest it. Wait, if you eat lean meat, you'll die. <laughs> If you eat nothing but lean meat, you'll die. There is, it's a, it's like a protein overload thing. You huh. die. Hmm. Huh. Okay. So, um, I'll guard against that. Uh, I've looked at fat differently since I heard that. I've looked at fat. Um, so the, um, I guess that's, uh, I guess that's it? all I have to say about California. Well, let's talk about, do you have something else you want to talk about? No, except that they, you know, California, it's, it's going to take them 35 more days to count the vote. I mean, they, they, they have so much, uh, direct mail vote. The votes have a week. They uh, still have a few days to arrive, uh, and still be counted. You have until a week after election day for your ballot to arrive in the mail. So they, they don't get around counting them, uh, uh, for a long time. And that itself is a problem because you don't get a quick result at an election. I think. There, there's some sort of civic good in having reasonably timely results that is being overlooked in California. They've only counted was, 76% of the ballots. That was a public service announcement. Thank you. Um, you know, I'm, as you know, they're still counting votes in my race. <laughs> well, keep hope alive, brother. I'm, I'm I haven't given up on you. I haven't given up on you. What year was that? 2010. You never know. Um, the, the person I, I, I've run against has served her term and left office. 
But, you know, we can reinstate me, I think. I think that's a good, that'd be a good, I could start a, a march, a march for Mickey to reinstate this now, election that's that was an idea. stolen from me. The Million Mickey March. <laughs> Only people with Mickey are allowed. Exactly. And, and it starts off, it starts off at Disneyland. You're not far from Disneyland. And you got all these like Disneyland. Mickey Mouse, uh, hats and stuff at the beginning. This is killer shit, man. We can get you Mouse in the Senate, Mickey. Sort of a, the Mickey Mouse hats are sort of a brilliant idea. Why didn't I think of that for my election? Oh, totally. You know, you know what? Great. Seriously, your big failure was you did not at any point call me and say, Bob, give me the best advice you've got on how to win a Senate campaign. I had so many good ideas. I mean, the the Mickey Mouse hat thing was like number 17, okay? I don't think you – you didn't have that back then, but uh, it's a oh, really good idea. you didn't ask. You didn't ask. It's really good. The um, the, the big problem candidates like Elder face – it certainly – I mean, Elder was a, a reasonable candidate, but the candidates like me face is they ask you, are you in it to win or are you just in it to make a point? And, of course, you have to answer you're in it to win. And then and you, you feel like a fucking idiot. But your big mistake was, and this is how they justified keeping you out of the debates, right? The, they, you said. What debates? It, didn't you make some blunder? I mean, it's, I know it's hard to remember amid all the blunders you made to isolate just one, but <laughs> didn't you during this campaign say, frankly, I'm not planning to win. I just want to make a point. Didn't they use that they to use exclude that you from the, the debates they or something? something else. I don't I mean, know. If, if you're polling. If, if, if you have, you know, if you, your numbers are as low as mine were, I think they, uh, they say you're not a serious candidate and they weren't, they weren't going to allow a debate anyway. So, uh, that wasn't a big, that, that wasn't the big, that was a blunder that I, that I gave sort of two, I gave, I wavered on the I'm in it to win it message. And you can't waver. You have to just lie. <laughs> I would say that was beyond, teeth. that was beyond wavering when you said, you know, I'm not in it to win it. That was, that wasn't like a momentary vacillation. That was the denial I, of any intention whatsoever if, to if, actually if, prevail in the election. If I'm Larry Elder, I get I get to ask for a mulligan. So yeah, um, there's uh, Millie, Mark Millie, thoroughly saved modern us, Millie, saved us uh, from war with China. I, well, but now, okay, so if if there's anybody that hasn't been paying attention, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, I guess things were getting weird around. I don't know if it was, this was right before the election or right after, but Trump was clearly getting wacko. And China, there there were specific things we had done, I guess, that had China the election. worried. Key point: it was, it was before the election. It was okay. in October. Okay. Okay. But the, but China was concerned. Uh, I think we had actually done some things that were interpreted as provocations. But anyway, uh, Milley, uh apparently communicated with his Chinese counterpart and said, "Hey, trust me, we're not going to start a war. If we do, I'll give you a heads up." <laughs> That's my favorite part. If we are going to invade your country, uh, I'll give you a heads up. Well, the, the heads up part is the, is the, you know, the, it, it was basically, it wasn't, it, it was not, it was the deep state. It was approved by the deep state. It was, a, okay. So the only person who didn't know was the president. Okay. As so it, it should it's, be. It's evidence. It's evidence for the deep state acting against an elected president. president. It's not evidence of Milley acting on his own. No, and in was, fact, he was, had the buy-in of the of the Secretary of Defense, right? 
I think he was asked to by the Secretary of Defense, who arguably is connected to an elected official. I mean, that, that's it. why all this bullshit about how but, he, Milley should resign is bullshit. He was operating and keeping with a chain of command. His superior wanted him to do it. He did well, it. Well, the problem is this heads up business. Did, you know, we give them a heads up. They launch a first strike and kill millions of Americans. OK, that's not something you want your generals doing. And I doubt Esper said, OK, you can agree to give him a heads up if we launch an attack. Uh, plus, you know, as somebody pointed out, why would the Chinese believe if you're a Chinese game theorist, you're probably thinking that this is just a, another tactic to lull us to sleep while the, while they prepare their first strike without telling us. And Millie's going to go, oh, I forgot. I forgot to say we were going to nuke, you know, Beijing. Um, so it's, uh, I, I think that was freelancing and I think he's vulnerable there. Uh, also, I mean, to the to, to, to the whole case against Milley is even before then when there was a he, he had um, not before then he seems obviously to have been prime it's not like uh it's not like Esper tell, tells him and he says oh I guess Trump is a kook and we have to call, he he obviously thought Trump was a kook all along he was it was Damn a it. pre-existing mindset on his part when there was a rally after the election uh, on November 10th. This is way before January 6th. He starts throwing around words like brown shirts and fascists and Reichstag fire. And this is, we're not going to let the Nazis win and that sort of thing. Obviously he has, he, he has Trump hatred on his brain or well, Trump wait. skepticism. And it might be justified. We don't know what Trump okay, was like. There you go. Well, but, no, we know enough for, for concern to be warranted. Jesus. You saw what happened but, after the election. He, he, you know, he all but refused to leave the White House. I mean, I mean, you know, he he, he was willing to subvert the Constitution and he didn't destroy democracy. To leave the White House. He went I said crazy he all after but, the election. I said he all but refused to leave. Uh, he was but. totally willing to subvert the Constitution, and he tried. I mean, come on, the, the, the skepticism. I, I, I want to see his emails before he clearly he clearly disgraced himself and went crazy after the loss. Uh, well, but, doesn't that um, kind of doesn't that kind of vindicate people who? Three weeks earlier said, Hey, this guy seems crazy. Wouldn't you say that Millie was kind of on the right track? But this idea that the, the, this idea in, 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 in the press accounts that an old friend called him and alerted him that, that Trump was going to subvert the government. First, who is his old friend? And was it Nancy Pelosi? He seems to have been talked to Pelosi, talked to Pelosi a lot. It was probably not Nancy Pelosi, but what, you know, what, in that sort of opened his eyes? No, he was. He, he was uh, he was woke to Trump earlier than that. Well, more power to him. Uh, again, I mean, uh, first of all, you're talking as if they uh, were they talking about a nuclear attack? I, I mean, that's the way that's the word you've used. But I, I haven't read the, this stuff that closely. But I assumed uh, that he meant if we're going to launch a conventional attack, uh, we'll let you know. And then and the idea is then you don't overreact. You do something. To, uh, some token proportionality and we call it a day presumably and you and you don't think that your homeland is truly imperiled and launch some kind of massive assault do we tell them do we tell them where this attack is going to happen i don't know but i would say look we had a president who i'm sorry to say i think justifies this kind of concern at the highest levels of the military we well, did it, it, completely it justifies paranoia but keep in mind he didn't do any of this he didn't launch an attack he didn't start any wag the dog wars to uh, 
to uh, well, distract uh, the, the assassination of Suleimani was and, sorry. The, I think the assassination of Suleimani was extremely reckless, uh, personally. Violation of international law, uh, seemingly a little, you know, almost whimsical, uh, you know, pissed off Iraq, which God knows Trump didn't have the presence of mind to anticipate. Um, and, and so I, I just think he was a, he was a very dangerous guy. He, he's, you know, he's, 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 uh, kind of deranged. I mean, his, his last minute, his last minute, Power grab was trying to get us out of Afghanistan. It was crazy, but it was not directed at starting a war. It was directed at ending a war. Well, he had that impulse. He he had both impulses, which but but uh, he was a dangerously I, impulsive I, person. I, I think I I hadn't heard I, I the, the, this conventional attack business is interesting. I I hadn't heard that. It hasn't been in the press. I thought and Fallows talks about Jim Fallows in his piece defending Milley talks about it. I thought this was a fail-safe situation where uh, Henry Fonda, as president, allows the Russians a proportional right. attack to our attack on one of their cities, which means they get to take out New York. Right. I forget. Uh, I forget which one of them accidentally launched the attack, but who, and whichever, then we la- accidentally launched the attack, and then we let. And so the we Russians call them and say, "Look, sorry, but this thing's on the way. We can't stop it. You you get to take out what New York or Washington." New York. New York. New York. Yeah, Maybe naturally, because Henry Fonda's in Washington. <laughs> Maybe Washington, too. Uh, and a city to be named later. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I I always thought it was in the, in a nuclear context, but that's a good point. So, I don't know. The uh, Anyway, again, if he had sign-off from the Secretary of Defense, there is no issue. I mean, that's the chain of command. Well, I want, I, I, I want to see this sign-off for the heads-up. I don't think it's there, but could be. I, I, honestly, and I also want to know how crazy Trump was in private because you heard stories. People would say, well, what I've heard is way beyond what's been, you know, how in public. And if you remember, Nixon was a lot crazier in private than we knew at the time. He was yeah. always ordering nuclear strikes and Henry Kissinger would, would tell the Secretary of Defense, don't, mm-hmm. don't act on this one. If you get any orders. Oh, tonight, totally. Totally. And I, I guess I'm glad he did that. Although I actually think Nixon would be much less likely to do something crazy than, than Trump. Um, I mean. Well, who did the wag? What was the wag the dog war? There must have been one that was somebody started. Uh, I forget what it was. was You mean a war started solely for domestic political purposes? Yes. There was the Mayaguez attack under Gerald Ford. There was Bill Clinton lobbed some cruise missiles. At a pharmaceutical factory in Sudan. In Sudan, there was yeah. J- Jimmy Carter did something before the oh, Iowa oh. primary that was considered wag the dog. Well, wait, was Clinton's time to distract attention from Monica Lewinsky? Is that the idea? Because I mean, succumbing to domestic political pressure and starting war that way—that's standard procedure. I mean, that happens all the time. No, I think. No, it wasn't that. Wag, wagging the dog is when there's a totally separate domestic issue, like right. like Bush invading, like Bush nabbing Noriega to get like uh, a tax cut or whatever. It was either a distraction or it was an upcoming election. It was not. Uh, there weren't there weren't there weren't people demanding that we attack a uh, Sudanese pharmaceutical factory. Yeah, um, uh, I don't think. So I don't uh, know, but uh, Millie just. He, in general, he seems a bit of a kook, you know? Well, he's kind of been on, you know, I mean, he, I, I thought maybe, 
you, you know, you remember the, I mean, how much of what you're calling his kookiness predates his famous, you know, showing up in Lafayette Square with combat fatigues on next to Trump? As I recall, he actually had combat fatigues on, which is yes. odd. Um, I had, I had thought that everything you might consider, uh, subsequent, that you might consider craziness was after that as a kind of a makeup call because he took so much shit for that including from within the military as he should i think um and uh but i so i don't a, i'm not aware of his record before interpreting that. it as a makeup call yeah i would think uh, but uh saying so he was deeply hurt by the criticism and but you know he's he's flaky either way i mean he's flaky he runs around with trump in fatigues and then he turns against trump's both excessive. Also, is his stewardship of Afghanistan especially impressive? I don't think so. Uh, he, you mean the withdrawal? He didn't and warn people about what actually happened, and he uh, it, it sort of left Bagram in a huff when Biden ordered him to. Uh, it seemed, uh, and that was probably stupid. Uh, the weird thing about Afghanistan is this story, which I haven't followed up on, that. Biden was really alone in standing up to everybody. Even Blinken yep. flipped at the end after going to some European confab and all the Europeans saying, well, you should really not bug out of Afghanistan completely. You should maintain a small presence. And, and he actually, you know, he actually had his mind changed at the last minute, according to this report. Well, I would, I would guess he was always squishy. I mean, Blinken is, is definitely part of the blob by, by nature. So is Jake Sullivan, I think. And, and Biden is the only, the only guy in the administration who I think feels otherwise. He, he has always had a little bit of an anti-blob streak. By the way, as you noted, uh, the blob is really getting its day in the sun. I think the term is becoming a true part of the vocabulary. Yesterday, there was a piece in the New York Times about the term. By Sarah um, Lyle. By Sarah Lyle. Um, whom you know, whom I met once. Always wedding, funny. Decades ago. What? But, uh, they, she sort of implied that it was, she had people saying it was, uh, it was too imprecise. And if it was invented by Ben Rhodes, who is certainly part of the blob, uh, it, uh, uh, it, it, it is imprecise if it just applies to things that Ben Rhodes disagrees with. Well, I think it was invented by Ben Rhodes, certainly by him or Obama. Um, I agree that. He's got one foot in the blob, but he's, he's a lot less blobby than a lot of people. There, there is an, he definitely has not extracted himself from the blob, and I'm not sure he totally understands what one, it is that keeps him a part of the blob. And may, and I keep thinking I should write a piece about how he is part of the blob. One foot in the blob is a good headline or a good country song. One foot in the blob. Yeah. 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 We can um, develop that in the parrot room. I'm going to write that down. Um, <laughs> The uh, uh, so um, there is this weird thing with the vaccine. Uh, Wait, can I say before we oh, get sorry. back to okay. vaccine, just quickly on the China military front, the, there was this this apparently fairly big deal where the U.S. is providing nuclear powered submarines to Australia, which really pisses off China and really pisses off France because. Well, France, France lost a 90, 90 billion dollar contract. I've heard contrasting figures. It's always in the tens of billions, but the, uh, um, yeah, there was a contract and, and I don't know, according to Australia, I think France was kind of late and there were all these delays. So screw you. But, uh, I have a couple of questions. I actually did a short thing about this in my, uh, 
non-zero newsletter, which we'll go out today. But um, one question, I mean, first of all, there's some reason to believe that the timing of the announcement is a reaction to the pressure Biden is under because of the Afghanistan withdrawal, you know, he needs to, to prove his manhood. I, I don't mean they cooked this up for that purpose. So he's, he's wagging the submarine. He's wagging the submarine. Um, I mean, I mean, the, the, the negotiation of this predates this. It just has the hallmarks of something that they rushed out the announcement on. And David Ignatius in the post had a line about how they wanted to get it out now because of the Afghanistan blowback. Um, but the other thing is like, just think about the, the game, the strategic game theory of this. The idea is, you know, you kind of show your manhood and that's going to keep China in check and they're not going to get too adventurous in their region. But the thing about this is the nuclear submarines aren't going to show up for more than a decade. So if they really are going to exert any kind of constraining effect on China's behavior, doesn't that incentivize China to do any adventurism now before the, I mean, it's like, you know, like take Taiwan now before these nuclear powered submarines. I mean, I'm not saying these submarines are that huge a deal, but in general, uh, I, apparently they're not nothing. They they have these, even though they're not nuclear armed, and maybe especially because they're not nuclear armed, in a way that makes it more credible that you could use use them uh, to deliver force. But um, but apparently they really bother China. So if you're China, uh, as just a general principle, if somebody says, "Okay, we've got all these weapons." Uh, that China's going to have to really worry about, and they're coming in 10 years. If you're China, don't you just go ahead and take Taiwan or something or take more islands or do what you're going to do? It does seem to have the per- a perverse incentive to, like, um, you know, like a heads-up for Millie, it encourages swift action. Uh, the uh, um, The other incentive, of course, is on our part, we can beat China now, uh, so it's an artist that has to start a war now if we're going to have a war rather than wait until they're even stronger. Uh, I'm sure the Chinese are aware of that, and that's part of the uh, beat source what, of their beat paranoia. Beat in what sense? And 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 assuming it doesn't go nuclear, in what sense can we beat them? Occupy China? I don't. Want, I don't think we can do that. Um, no, we can't occupy China, but we could. Uh, uh, I don't know. It's a good question. I mean, how, in, in, in an that? isolated naval battle, we would prevail, I think. But then at the end of the day, they're still there in that region. And it's very easy for them to get more ships to the site. And their Navy has grown rapidly. Um, we could, uh, we could take Beijing and be welcomed, welcomed as liberators. As liberators. I think we would be. I think people underestimate. How much warmth there is around the world for occupying American troops, you know? It is true that, as Fallows notes in his Substack, the Chinese military is relatively untested in combat. And, uh, I remember them getting their ass kicked by the North Vietnamese. So they don't have like a huge track record of victory. Not that we have one either, but we are much more experienced than they are. Yeah. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, and unless you sabotage their economic development, they're going to have the power to assert force in their immediate region um, in in the long run. And so I don't know. I don't know exactly what that gives you. I, I would recommend just kind of working things out with them and agreeing on rules of the road if that's possible. 
I think the, I think we should keep channels of communication open. That was that was that was Millie's charge from Esper, apparently, according to keep channels of communication. Keep open. channels of communication open. Can I get a cup of coffee and then I'll be back with a trenchant analysis of Biden's speech yesterday? I'm not sure you need one because about four minutes ago your volume got a lot louder. I think you got either you got a burst of energy or like you clicked no, something. I, I left my coffee in the kitchen. I gotta go get it. Okay, so what? I'm going to talk about what should wait. Well, let's agree on my soliloquy. What am I going to talk about? It's only going to last ten seconds. I could, I would have had the coffee already. You're not going to be able to do this in ten seconds. Okay, that'll be the G- thing. I'll count, do the count. Give me, a, give me ten seconds. Okay, okay we will see. We Go. will see. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five. No fucking way. He's getting here. Three, two, one. Bzzz. Mickey's not here. Mickey lost the bet. Um, I'm doing a victory dance. That wasn't 10 seconds, Mickey. He hasn't put his earbuds in. He hasn't gotten the bad news yet. He still thinks victory was in, is within reach. It's not. It's not, as he's about to find out. Sorry, Mickey, you didn't make the 10 second deadline. <laughs> uh, yeah, I knew, I knew I'd uh, blown it when I saw how full the cup of coffee was. I didn't want to spill it, you know? Do you? An important question is how long does it take the caffeine to reach your brain? I think in my case, it's really Ten close seconds. to an, no, it's close to an hour for me. No, I, I found myself getting all fuzzy. And if I, maybe it's just a, it's you a, know, pav- a you're getting the, like psychological, you know, you're having that, the Pavlovian response to the taste of the coffee. You're having so you some kind of anticipatory would, response. Decaf would do the same thing. I don't think so. In the short run, yes, but not in the long run. You drink the decaf, and an hour later you fall asleep. Now you're not going to fall asleep in an hour, but you would feel the same now if it were decaf. I actually had a. Speaking of falling asleep, I mean, I I, I drove. I, I was incredibly exhausted two days ago. I got back from a long drive, and uh, I was so tired. You know when you're, I'd never had this before and I was worried I was going insane. You know how before you, right before you fall asleep, you have a chain of thought that's a little crazy and you sort of go down a rabbit hole and you departed from reality. Well, wait, you mean and, it's like the incipient part of a dream or it's more yeah, like you're like actually thinking thoughts that get weirder and weirder? The, it, it's what well, it starts with a rational thought and then it becomes the incipient part of a dream and gets weirder and weirder and it's very detailed. Okay. Uh, Give us an example. Like you'd be buying. I. The weird thing is, it happened to me while I was awake and shopping, and I never fell asleep or was even close to falling asleep. But yet, I had the wacky train of thought. Well, and it seemed it was like I would be buying a a piece of fruit or something at the market, and the act of giving them the money or the credit card would say, "Oh, I remember this." There's this bank account balance I have, and I'm going to move this around here, and I'm going to go broke or something. And that that whole thing was all bullshit. Yet I had the thought, and I didn't fall asleep. There was like wait, these, wait, wait, wait a second. The thought was about like moving money around in a bank account in a way that some, actually had no connection to your actual life. It had some connection, but it was not not real. It was you know. What was the unreal part? Like like the, the amount of the money. The amounts were wrong. I wasn't moving the account. I wasn't about to go broke. I mean, this is a hypothetical. Uh huh. But it was it was as if uh, I was having glimpses of like an alternate reality that did was false, mm-hmm. and it was also a little like what would happen if you took away the reality meter from my brain, as LSD supposedly does. Mm-hmm. And it just frees all these id-like thoughts 
from control by the evil ego, super ego. And um, uh, anyway, it it was very troubling, it, and, and I was really really tired. But it's never happened before, and I hope it will never happen again. This doesn't sound like anything to worry about. <laughs> um. Um, but that I, reminds think, me. Uh, this is why I don't take LSD. I'm going to have a fucking. That bad reminds trip. me. I, I'm trying to talk you into microdosing. Uh, so we'll talk about that in the parrot room. I'm going to continue my campaign um, to microdose. Bi- um, Biden gave a speech. Yeah. Uh, promoting his uh, economic plans, and the two things I thought were interesting. One is, uh, he said, "This is an inflection point." You know, previously the rich were getting richer and all the money was flowing to the top and working people and people didn't, you know, and, and, and after this change, the, you know, and here he sort of subtly shifts from talking about the economy to the whole society is going to be fairer to the growth is going to be equally distrib- distributed to everybody. And, and does anybody think Biden's bill is actually going to achieve this? I mean, I wrote a whole book saying that it was basically impossible, but, uh, uh, does anybody think Biden's budget, which is money for daycare, uh, preschool, uh, community college, and this child tax credit for dental coverage for and parents. Medicare, baby? What dental coverage and Medicare? Well, that I, even that is going to be transformative, and it's going to be a inflection point that makes America a much more equal society. The rich are going to stop getting richer. Even though the trends that force the rich to get richer are still there, well, the I mean, returns it, I to skill, hear, et cetera. I didn't hear exactly what he said, but it sounds like it's within the the bounds of standard political exaggeration. I mean, but it's, li- it's like, stand- like no, he's saying this this isn't just any budget; this is a special budget because it's going to create this transformation, and the transformation is bullshit. So, well, well it seems most to me you normally criticize say, politicians who say that. Most of what politicians say is bullshit. Okay. So your defense of him is it's just bullshit. Yeah, don't worry. It's just it's just lies. Don't worry. Okay. No, um, I mean, look, it, it it is uh it is an unusual magnitude of stuff that could in theory help. I mean, like, you know, I I really like the free community college thing because I mean, I like it more than uh Bernie Sanders's free college thing in a way because, you know, community colleges I, I think have a lot of, you know, kind of vocational focus and stuff. It, it's more like, uh, what a lot of people need than, than like a liberal arts degree is a practical matter. It, it, it doesn't bother me. You know, most of the parts of the bill don't bother me if they got rid of the refundable child tax credit and the amnesty. I would be, I would be a pro Biden Democrat, but the daycare thing is going to, you know, it, it gives the care. Not in institutions, but in homes, and it obviously they want to unionize the workers, and it's going to create this whole bureaucratic edifice that might be a disaster. Mm-hmm. The family, the paid leave is twelve. This is from a Betsy McCoy article today, and I've learned not to trust oh, Betsy God. McCoy. I was going to say you're going to trust but her. She she wrote that some, bullshit piece that killed Clinton's health care thing for the New Republic. It was bullshit, but then I decided it wasn't such bullshit. That, um, you should have stopped before that second thought. Um, the uh, she, 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 anyway, she said that. Never mind. Let's not get into it. But the um, uh, she said it's twelve weeks every year, uh, paid leave for illnesses just on your say so. Okay, 
12 weeks a year, that's like three out of 12 months a year an employee is supposed to like tolerate their employees just being absent. That seems like a lot. I'll bet you 12, anything if you look at the weeks fine after, print. 12 weeks every three years, maybe. I'll bet you anything if you look at the fine print, she's misleading you. That's what she does. I checked it out on the web and, and I, and I, it was hard to find in a suspicious way. They don't really want you to find it out that's per year, but it seems to be 12 weeks per year. I think she's right on that. I could, yeah, she could be, I, like I say, don't trust her. I'm um, paranoid about mail-in ballots and Betsy McCoy. That shows how even-handed I am. That's why America turns to you in moments like this. Right. Now, and the second interesting thing about the speech is that he had this crazy, crazy but seemingly sort of appealing take on inflation which is what do we care about inflation you know i'm gonna i'm gonna your your prices aren't going to go up for for elder care for daycare for prescription drugs i'm going to keep i'm going to keep those prices low so we really don't have to worry about inflation well that's crazy of course we have to worry about inflation there are a hundred things that he's not a hundred things that he's not aren't subsidized did he say you don't have to worry about inflation Oh God! You want, I mean, he, well, he yeah. Didn't... If you're going to quote him and, okay, and, and say okay, it's I'll wrong, go. you got to get the quotes right. Jeez. I no. I mean, I, I I'm I'm uh, giving you a a paraphrase of what he said, but I did look for it, and it it is there. So I will now find it. I don't know. I mean, you know, it's like politicians talk bullshit. I it's uh, we, we have to judge them by another standard, like. But why does he argue is just argue it's not going to be inflationary? Um, sounds like that's close to what he did say. He said, "My Republican friends talk a lot about inflation, but if you want to talk about actually lowering the cost of living for people in this country, my plan does just that." And he talks about elder care and child care costs. Oh, and that's totally care standard, costs. legit political rhetoric. And, it, and by the way, what I would say if I were him is they they uh, say they're worried about inflation, but they want to take away our capacity to raise revenue to pay for programs, and that's inflationary. If you if you don't pay your way, that's what I'd be saying. That's why, really, you know, I think you and I agree. I should be the man in the White House, but I'm not. Um, so God, we it's going we, to your head, Bob. What what's going on in my head? All you the think six, you should all, be in the White House. Uh, well, you thought you should be in the Senate, which is crazier. I think it's about a dead heat. Uh, um, senators don't have to actually do anything. I guess people in the White House don't either. Um, I had a huge pundity point to make uh, based on this. Oh, hey, don't worry about inflation. We'll just send you some more checks. Uh, okay, pundity is good. Do it. Um, which is, uh, can you still see me? Because I can no longer see you. I'm here. Trust me. I can see you. Okay. Hi. Um, you know, you talk about uh, uh, Scott Winship had a post where uh, it's very important that, uh, you know, that uh, the educational deficits at the lower end of the pyramid be corrected. And the liberal attitude is, oh, don't worry about it. We'll just increase the child tax credit to compensate for any shortfall. Uh, don't worry about the erosion of the work ethic. We'll just send more checks uh, to compensate for the shortfall of work. Uh, and now don't worry about inflation. We'll just send checks to compensate for rising prices and to subsidize goods. 
So basically, the the new liberal paradigm is we'll send more checks. Don't worry about it. I thought that was the old liberal paradigm. It was the old money liberal paradigm. Oh, oh, oh not the Mickey the neoliberal Party. paradigm. I see. Sorry. Not the it, it was the not the Mickey neoliberal paradigm. It was the well, old. Well, there was always debate liberal. in the Democratic Party between. Yeah, but you got you lost. You lost. It's over. You lost that one. You should just well, join we'll the see. Republican Party. We'll, we'll lost, see. They've, you they've lost. Been, you lost. There have been encouraging signs among Democrats, uh, like Joe Manchin, that he understands the work issue. Uh, Joe if Manchin. You re- if you read closely some of the accounts of what's going on in Congress, there. Various p- Congress people, like I think Kevin Brady, who's a powerful Democratic congressman, who uh, has grave doubts about sending checks willy-nilly to families that don't work. Uh, and so, you know, depending on what Mansion and Cinema actually hold out for, uh, you could modify that provision, and the money liberals will not have won. I don't. I have no problem with a child tax credit or even an expanded child tax credit. As long as it doesn't go to families who don't work. Uh, so that's the obvious possible solution and you could base it on prior work. Uh, that's not, that's not gonna, that's not gonna work within the Democratic Party. Are you crazy? It's, what, it, you, it, 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 it's a compromise between Joe Manchin. It, it, first, it's the way the law is now. Yeah. We'll be increasing it. Uh, and it's, you know, it's, it's a negotiation between the Democratic Party and the moderates in the Democratic Party. And why shouldn't that be an obvious compromise? Uh, because they as don't I control said, the Congress. They have because as the I said, neoliberalism within the Democratic Party, your kind of neoliberalism, it, it, uh, it, is, it, is it, not alive and well. It's not going to win a vote in the, within the Democratic Party, but it, that doesn't cut any ice. It has to win a vote in Congress. And if you add the moderate if, if Democrats add to the Republicans, Republicans to, they to, are a majority. Yeah. I just think you lose a lot of Democrats when you start doing that. But I don't know. What do I know? I don't pay attention to politics. You know what I do pay attention to, Mickey? And I want to emphasize this. I pay attention to how long we've been recording. And it's now been about an hour, which means that it's about time to adjourn and go into the parrot room. And whether or not you agree, and I know you always resist this, whether or not you agree, I think we um, should pat ourselves on the back because what happened this week, Mickey, that's relevant to the parrot room? Um, this is a test. Uh, mm, um, are you are you having like swirling thoughts about moving money in your bank account? And no, I, the I, numbers don't make the, sense. There's the Durham indictment. There's uh, there's nothing we can't talk about in the parrot room. That's uh, the beauty of the room. In the room. There's uh, wait, who is Durham? Who is Durham? Durham is a special prosecutor uh, who is the 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 Republicans. Uh, set uh, investigating Russia, how the Russia scandal came out and wrongdoing within the Department of Justice. So he's the, he's oh, the oh, special yeah, yeah. prosecutor who Republicans hope succeed. And he did indict a Democratic lawyer for basically, uh, spreading, uh, this story about the Alpha Bank having a special connection to the Trump campaign. Remember Frank Four wrote about yeah, that? Yeah, Frank, Slate I was going to say that, made a big deal that of it. Frank Four piece in Slate. Uh, early on in the resistance, as right. I recall, right? And then right. I, what was, like- was saying there were these nefarious uh, messages between a Russian computer and the Trump campaign or something. And then almost immediately, there was a pretty good takedown in The Intercept arguing that 
you know, with all due respect, I like Frank, but arguing that he was out of his depth, didn't understand, and apparently uh, the Intercept won that. Is that what you're saying? Well, and there and there were in, there were there there were people, sort of techie nerds in various institutions who had that point of view that it, this is all bullshit. Yeah, they, they're, they're misreading these uh, the, these communications between the Alpha Bank and what turned out to be uh, people doing promotional campaigns for Trump hotels. It wasn't actually Trump campaign central. Yeah, uh, but it was pushed by this lawyer who was being who then billed the Hillary Clinton campaign. Who told, who allegedly told the FBI that he didn't represent, uh, you know, he was implied that he was just a public spirited citizen. Uh, and in fact, he was acting as a lawyer, allegedly as a lawyer for Hillary, spreading this Alpha Bank, uh, rumor to the FBI and they sort of adopted it, uh, or, or took it much more seriously because of that. Uh, so, you know, if it's true, I hope he, they should throw the book at him, but, um, uh, the, it's, it still does leave a, I, I've now come back to the position that there is a mystery as to why Trump was so adoring of Putin. It's not just that he wanted to build a hotel in Moscow, which was my previous theory. Uh, so. You think there's still a mystery? I think there's still a mystery. I still want to know what the hell we was going on. We can talk about there. that in the parrot room. Um, I'm not sure I have any non-obvious thoughts, but I have thoughts. Um, but, the answer to the question that you dodged, what big thing happened this week with respect to Parrot Room, is Mickey, after months of tireless toil, we passed the 1,000 patron mark. There are now um, more than 1,000 Parrot Room patrons. I every don't... week, every week it's been four yards and a cloud of dust, you know, but we didn't give up. They said it couldn't be done. You remember all the people who said it couldn't be done, Mickey? Remember all those people? Where are they now? Are they laughing? Are they smiling? No, they're miserable because they were wrong and we were right. Um, no, that's very gratifying, but, um, we're still no, uh, Chapo Trap House. No, but you know, you're right. We are not, but you know, are they happy? Are they happy? That's my question about them. Did money make them happy? They've got all this money. Are they happy? No, Mickey, we're happy. Okay. We're happy where we are at a thousand, although we would like to be at two thousand, and that's our next goal. So wait, so look, right. we we have to, we should, I think we should transition into the parrot room. Um, in part because I need to post my newsletter quickly. I need a little ah, now we're fifteen getting... minute allowance in between now and the parrot room taping. Um, but also there's so much to talk about in the parrot room. I mean, we well, need to get there. You want to you have know, uh, you want to hear what there is? Go ahead. What do you got? I have some things. This is at patreon.com slash parrot room. Uh, needless to say. Uh I want to talk about uh uh all these revelations about Facebook whitelisting people so they can you know so they, 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 they get they get permission to spread what Facebook would you know cancel somebody for but if they're oh, big I enough that, VIPs, yeah. they get in. Yeah. Um, I heard, uh, I wanted to talk about, somebody said, well, if there's some, some liberal had a big retrospective on the Dixie Chicks being canceled. Well, I think the Dixie Chick cancellation is different from regular cancellation. Uh, Dixie I wanted Chick. to reopen the Ezra Klein versus Jonathan Cohen thing from last week, just because it it's very painful for all of us. So why not go through it again? 
You know um, my position on Ezra, right? Sorry? You know my position on Ezra? It's the finest American you've ever met. He's a god among men. Yes. Okay. Um, uh, I didn't realize, I, I heard it, an interesting interview, uh, not great between Scott Galloway, the dog, and an expert on loneliness that had some facts about loneliness that I didn't know. Um, uh, I, I, I started to go down the rabbit hole of the Las Vegas shooting. Mm-hmm. And it's a big fucking rabbit hole, but so Maybe. I want to give like a, a, um, a preliminary report on, on what's the problem with, uh, the official lone gunman theory. Okay. So we'll just see a rabbit hole trailer kind of in the pair. Yeah. Um, and bizarrely, that's all I have. That's a lot. Now, what I'd like to talk about. Oh, and I want to dump Trump, but I don't know quite how to do it. <laughs> a little late, dude. Yeah. Uh, the, um, so first of all, our crusade to get you to use a dating app continues. You were more receptive than I thought last week in the pair room. I think we can close the deal this week. I have specific ideas about how to proceed. Next step. Do they involve plastic surgery? Mm, I, there are things that are, that I think I'm going to insist on and there are things I'm going to suggest are possibilities and it's possible that's in one of those or the other. So you're going to be my coach? I am your, uh, I am your, your dating app life coach. Yes. No, no. Th- that's a great thing is that commenters in the parrot room are chiming in with very constructive advice. Oh my God. Yeah. If I rely yeah. on the commenters. I'll never get laid again. There's so many places I could go with that, that it's just, <laughs> I'm going to move on to the next item. Here. So we will also, I'm going to say a little something about the last week's U.S. Open tennis. Um, we should talk about, you know, Elizabeth Holmes is on trial, you know. I haven't uh, followed that, have you? A little bit, a little bit. Okay. I have a little bit to say, you know, she, for the, uh, she's indicted for fraud with the, what's the name of her company? I guess, I, you know. Fair the, enough. See, you know more than you thought, the blood testing company. Um, the, uh. It's because of the coffee box. It's the coffee. It's working. Um, the, uh, oh, we said we're going to talk about, Trump and the mystery of Trump's attra- attraction to Putin, which I don't think is such a mystery. Um, really? Okay. I'm interested in hearing that. I, I, I want to talk a little anti-blob strategy. Cause, okay. Because c- there is, you know, there are people who are in the anti-blob insurgency who don't like the term, don't think we could talk like that. I just think, you know, I just think they're wrong. Um, keep it. Blob was originally, a, uh, a phrase that William Bennett used about the education establishment. Is that right? Yeah. So it's, it's, there are a lot of blobs. Huh. If you work in Washington, you, you realize that there are blobs everywhere. Washington is blobs. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's about it. That's you, a fair amount. You don't want to talk about Nicki Minaj. Am I pronouncing it right? Who is Nicki Minaj? She's a pop singer who didn't take the vax because she said, a cousin of hers in Trinidad took it and his balls swelled and his wife canceled oh, his yeah, I fiance caught... canceled their engagement and he's impotent. Nicki Minaj. Balls I don't think we have much to say about swelled. that. But... I'm writing this down. Uh, um, yeah, I, I did catch wind of that story. Um, and I didn't really have any thoughts about it. I'm, but, I mean, 
my main thought about it was it's wrong to disrespect uh, anti-vaxxers. I think it's good that Biden gave an out, which is uh, weekly testing. I have a thought. I have a way to I have a way to blame the resistance for anti-vaxxers. I'll do that in the pair room. Okay. Um, it's kind of obvious, but uh, now there's a chance we'll not get to all of this, I guess. But we're gonna try. God damn it, because that's the kind of guys we are. Determination is what got us to a thousand patrons, and we're not gonna let go of that attitude now, are we, Mickey? Um. No. You, you're, no, you're, say no. You're, you maybe you should be my motivational coach. I think I need that too. Say no. We're not going to let go of the attitude. No. Okay. Nothing can stop us now. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so we're we will. be like Mark Milley striding across Lafayette Square. Precisely. No, not like that. No, we're <laughs> going to be like him calling China to avert World War. Okay. Let's be like that. Okay. See you in the uh, pair room. Okay. All right.